Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with class. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Hey, so welcome back. This is the second half. We got Phil Alapati, a.k.a. Feel Good Cuts, a.k.a. Right Out Posse, a.k.a. Phil Eats, still here with us. And uh, we're shifting gears. We're going to talk about probably a, a subject that comes up a lot in San Francisco, especially for natives like ourselves, which is uh, homelessness and gentrification, you know, a.k.a. how has the city changed? So we're going to kind of dive in on the impact on the Bay Area, a number of subtopics, and uh, I think it should be a lively conversation. Yep. So that said, uh, first and foremost, again, Phil, thank you for being here, man. Thank you for joining us. Um, you're, an, you're a small business owner in the, in the Bay Area, so this is kind of near and dear to you. Um, to you, let's just set this up with this very first question. Is gentrification a bad thing? Um, I'm kind of torn because, of course, I want to say yes, but then again, I want to say no, right? Because it's one of those things where there has to be some kind of progression, right? There has to be some kind of change. But with change and progression, sometimes it kind of weeds a lot of people out, right? I think, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn between the two. I think it's definitely good, and I think in some cases it could be bad. Because yeah. you promote a lot of small businesses and you support a lot of small businesses. I mean, being torn, I, I, I could see that. But, like, where do we draw the line here? That's a great question. Because we just had this conversation within, you know, um, with my group of friends, right? And I was just asking them, like, yo, I don't know where or what's going on, Right. Like, of course, we have our own opinions about the homelessness and gentrification and stuff like that, but we're all kind of torn, right? But I think these are great conversations to have because, I mean, my opinion is my opinion. Your guys is your guys, but at the same time, I I mean, I want to know too. Sure. That's a fair answer, though. And I I guess guess let's frame gentrification first, right? Yeah. So what do we know is gentrification? Is it good or bad? Before we even do that, let's... Let's let's go through some definitions. Gentrification is a rapid transformation of a neighborhood. Uh, it's a process in which formerly rundown urban neighborhoods are discovered, but it's also a process where native residents are displaced. Right. So, just with your answer, there go your pros and cons. You get the process of let's keep this moving, let's keep it progressing, but at the same time, when you have native residents displaced then it kind of becomes problematic. So I think it's really not an answer of is it good or bad because that's that's kind of a loaded question. It's more mm-hmm. so what's good about it and what's bad about it. So I guess let's speak to that. Yeah. Um, so just growing up in the city, I, I would say for me, I don't mean to start off on the negatives, but that's that's how this is going to come across. When you look at Let's just think, let's just fucking keep it real, right? When you think about gentrification, which which neighborhoods are open for gentrification? It's going to be the poor neighborhoods. It's going to be the ones where probably you know uh, people are having two, three jobs to survive. It's going to be the ones where, not to label people, but it's going to be when there's a, a lot of underprivileged residents of one city. That's their environment. So to me, there's I don't necessarily believe that. Because gentrification in itself is kind of a label to a process, right? But to me, it becomes a bad thing when you're victimizing people that really have nowhere else to turn. When you're, when you're, when you, let's focus on the Bayview because this happened a lot there. You're looking at residents that were there two, three generations ago, right? Um, 
you're looking at people that were there probably right after the Great Depression area. One of the first natives to San Francisco. When Bayview was actually Bayview. When Hunter's Point was Hunter's Point. People forget that. People used to fucking hunt at Hunter's Point. That's why it's called Hunter's Point. Um, but then what happened is you have like these original natives passing down their homes to you know um, their, their children or some other family member who doesn't know what it what what that person what that parent or grandparent gave up for it and then you know they, they default on property taxes they get a lien whatever that's when that shit happens so that's that's when it's negative for me um any thoughts on that yeah i, I can't even i grew up in uh in soma right um sixth and Folsom. um every time i go there i i, I don't even recognize it because of all the changes, you know, new homes, uh, a lot of the mom and pops are gone. I mean, you see a lot of homelessness around there. But yeah, it's just, it's unrecognizable. It's not what I grew up with. Uh, what I grew up with, I mean, it was, if you want to call it hood, it was hood, but it, it was home. And... Going there, there was a sense of comfort knowing what you saw because it was everything was pretty much the same, right? But different parts of Soma now are, are they just look different. And but is that is that a bad thing that it looks different? And, that, and that's the part I'm, I'm trying to get to. Is how, it a bad how so? thing? How so? Is it a good thing? I feel like it's a bad thing because it pushed a lot of us out of there, right? Um, we ended up moving out to the East Bay. A lot of people from the neighborhood moved out. Some moved out to the East Bay. Some moved out towards the peninsula. Um, but they, they were throwing money out, right? Because it was like, okay, if you move, we're going to throw this at you so that we could build something else. And then what happened to the community? Community was gone. Everything that you felt, every bit of community that you felt is now gone. And now everybody's just in in different places. And you try to connect on social media with old friends from the the neighborhood. And I don't know. For me, I I look at it as a negative. It's just... So if we're going to focus on it as a negative, could it have been prevented because if you think about it, going back to when we were kids, things kind of changed when dot-com happened, right? When those three W's came into this world, the fucking Bay Area just blew up. And what we knew was normal started changing. I mean, you had home prices double. You had, I remember, because I grew up in Lakeview primarily, uh, like Celsius, that home was like maybe 200000 1990, happened, that home was like fucking 400000 uh, so shit changed rapidly, right? But could that have been prevented? Could, could uh, you know, when you're talking about the impact in Soma, why would they have stayed if they were if they're able to flip their homes for for that amount of money? I mean, it, again, when you're going over the pros and cons of it, it was it really uh, were they really victimized to that sense? Is that is that really something that happened, or were, did they take advantage of the time? I felt like they were, they were bought out, right? Um, given the situation of what the living circumstances were, um, it was one of the poor neighborhoods. But I felt that sense of community brought everybody together. Everyone looked out for each other. I mean, is the grass always greener? Some of them might say, yeah, because of the price tag. But when you, you take away all those things, um, like the way we grew up, I mean, a, a lot of my close friends are from the people, are, are the people from the block, right? Out in Natoma. Shout out to the folks in Natoma. Shout out to all the people in Soma. Shout out to Soma Wreck. Soma Wreck. I mean, that isn't even the same anymore. I mean, we all used to go there. After school, in the summer, 
But when all these things changed, everybody moved out. And why did we move out? They, they took advantage of the poor neighborhoods, right? And they built, quote unquote, bigger and better. But who was that bigger and better for? It wasn't for us. So I've got an interesting... Well, do you have a thought? Well, I mean, hearing what you're saying, I, I mean, I feel it, right? And and I, I do agree. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, when I do talk about this, sometimes it gets, it get real spunky, right? Yeah. Sometimes people don't like what I say or some sometimes... I may not like what other people say, right? Um, I do agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, it kind of, it almost kind of, it bothers me to a point where I feel like, I, th- I think I, I wouldn't blame it. I think it's, it has to do with our parents and that generation not knowing. And not knowing because of maybe they didn't do their research but then again, a lot of them was like first generation, whatever. They didn't know. They just came to America like just this work, right? Let's be honest, though. I'm going to keep it 100. Like, the system was made for a lot of us to fail already, especially in those inner cities. Let's just call it what it is, right? Hunters Point was not supposed to be there. It wasn't supposed to stay the way that it was, right? It was supposed to only be for the time being. But then again, they figured those people could just stay there forever, get the government assistance or whatever, and then when, once they become more knowledgeable about what things are, just take it away. You know what I'm saying? So what they did was, for the most part, they they allowed all that shit to happen, get comfortable, and it's like, look, let's just snatch that away now. You know what I'm saying? But, and not to blame the generation before us, because they only knew what they knew, right? But now, I think the biggest thing for me is to try to find these solutions now. How do they not push us out anymore? How do we become engulfed and engaged in San Francisco or these places that we're supposedly not supposed to be in? I don't know the answers, though. But you know what I'm saying? These kind of conversations are good for us to get the knowledge that we need for us to stay. You know what I'm saying? I think for the biggest thing is they want to push us out. Because they want the other people to come in. When I say other people, I don't know. You can kind of take that for what you want. But at the same time, why are we... Let's stop selling. Fuck. We have property. We have land in in here. Like you were saying earlier. Like, hey, our grandparents, you know, were raised here. First generation. They, they came out here and they paved the way. They did these things to live this so-called American dream. Then it comes down to the next generation and so on and so forth. And then before you know it, we don't have this property no more. So I think the biggest thing is how do we stay here? How do they not force us out? I like, I like what you're saying around focusing on the solution and thinking, thinking ahead generation to generation. I've got a lot to say on this. Absolutely. The reason i got a lot to say on this I think I have a unique perspective in that I'm blessed with my family history. Um, so half Filipino, half Latin. On the Filipino side, I'm like fourth generation. So my great-grandma came here in like the 20s and 30s. And so her work ethic, my great-grandma and my great-grandpa, and so their work ethic uh, you know, manifested into them being able to own a lot of property, which got passed on generation to generation to my grandpa and his two brothers. And then to my mom and her two sisters. Again, this is on my Filipino side. Um, and and then there was some infighting, right? Uh, you know, fast forward from the 40s and 50s and 60s. My grandpa grew up in the house that I grew up in, the Haight-Ashbury. Uh, Upper Haight, they call it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coal Valley. I'm sorry. Coal <laughs> Valley now. It's Coal Valley. Uh, to when I grew up in like the 80s and 90s, right? But then fast forward to like the 2000s post.com, right? Like my mom partially owns it with my aunt who lives in Indiana and my other aunt who's got a house down in Palo Alto and then my great aunt who owns it who's like in her 70s. So, you know, they ended up selling the property. And for me and, you know, I think some of our family, there's some regret there because you look at what they sold it for. It was a great deal at the time. I even call it out actually, like... They listed it out 
like 1.3 million they got offices in 2012 13 uh, no i'm sorry maybe 13 14 and they got offers for like 2 million sight unseen cash in hand close in 14 days and how you're not going to take that, especially when, like, there's sure. division within a family, right? So this is a unique perspective, but I think it's important, actually, because I think the value of owning property is something – that value, that notion of wealth is something that maybe certain communities, certain groups don't have, you know. Uh, where, and so I think education is a very important part around, like, what is the difference between money and wealth, mm-hmm. right? Um so that's on that side. Now, look if you look at my other side, like my dad and his family, they grew up. My mom, my great grandma from Nicaragua, my grandpa from from Mexico, they came in and they they rented in the Excelsior forever, right? And the Excelsior used to be like in the '60s, like uh, predominantly originally, actually even predating the '60s, it was like an Italian neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? That's why you look at like a lot of the streets out there in the Excelsior, right? Like you got Naples and you know you got Moscow and et cetera, um, and then over time, if you want to talk about gentrification, you can see that there's an influx of maybe um, the black community, Latino community, uh, moving out towards that that area and then kind of pushing out from there. Um, and so it's interesting, you know. I think it's important to define gentrification actually as being most impactful in a city, in an urban city, right? Where does gentrification happen? Generally in big cities, right? Because then what happens, you have you have neighborhoods, you have communities where, you know, there's a disparity between good neighborhoods, right? And, you know, the Excelsior is not the marina, mm. right? Uh, and then you have, you know, areas where it's more affordable, right? And those are the areas that I feel like are most impacted when it comes to, uh, you know, you can say capitalism or just the natural progression of business over decades, right? Things change. You get a you know an influx of wealth. Where do people want to move to? Coming from outside the area, the city, right? I mean, but that's why it happens in cities. Not to cut you off. Yeah, it's because that's where the population is, right? I mean, this wouldn't happen somewhere rural. Uh, in in those rural areas, you want progression. You want something to happen. You want something to take place. You want development. Um, in, in urban areas, you're only going to have redevelopment, right? Um, or what, what's the, sometimes the catch term is revitalization. Every time I hear revitalization going on, I always, that's a red flag for me. Something's going on. Someone's being pushed out, right? Um, you look at that now. It was, it was really evident in, in, in San Francisco when, when you speak of communities like the Soma, um, Bayview Hunters Point, those are the big ones. I mean, think about it. Without those people being pushed out, we wouldn't have Chase Center. You wouldn't have that new, nice uh, cobblestone area on 3rd Street. But at the same time, you think of how many people, how many real natives lost um, or, or had to leave for that shit to happen. Th- think of other things, though, that kind of tie in and spill in because of gentrification. Um, kind of a shift here. But would the Niners have gone to Santa Clara? If we were, if we have more San Francisco natives, right? Shit like that. Only people who grew up there would vote for them to stay. That, that would only hit you, hit your heart, yeah. if you had a connection with them. When you look at San Francisco right now, you look at that demographic, and most of these people that are here, and this isn't hate or shade on them, they're not natives. They don't have, you know, they didn't go to elementary schools here. They didn't go transfer from middle school to middle school or high schools, whatever. So they, they just know what they know. But to encapsulate what you were talking about, <clears throat> when it comes to education and race, you think about this statistic, right? This is a 2022 statistic. Uh, 44.4% of San Francisco are white. 34% are Asian. But when that connects, you think about them in terms of education. Um, you've got the highest number of uh High school graduates being white, right under 300,000. They're also the highest number of college graduates, right around 220,000. Next to them are Asians, 200,000 high school graduates, uh, just a little over 100,000 college graduates, at least the bachelors. So there definitely is a connection there, right? So what does that tell you? I mean, to, to me, it speaks to gentrification is obviously tied into can you afford to stay? 
right? And that's that's really what this comes down to. You're being priced out of the city that you live in. It isn't. San Francisco is one of the few cities and counties that has rent control. God bless San Francisco for that, because otherwise, think of how many more people would have been displaced. Um, but to, to your point earlier, it is really taking a shift as to. I te- I t- actually texted this dude. I texted you what, like maybe uh, like six years ago. I was driving. Um, I was driving out Cesar Chavez. You know that little park that's um, right under the freeway. Yeah, <clears throat> talking about near Buena Vista. Uh, near Buena Vista. And, uh, Shout out Buena Vista. Whatever. Share it. <laughs> Share it with you, homie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm driving through that park and. Bro, shit you never would have seen in the 80s or 90s. A fucking group of white people playing softball. Like, pick up softball, right? So I texted him, I was like, bro, there's people playing pick up softball here. When, when the fuck did you ever see that? And this was, because when we grew up, what was Cesar Chavez Street? Army, Army right? right. It was Army Street. Uh, most of the time, if you weren't from the, if you get caught there at the wrong time, you're running. That's what you're doing. There's no way you're going to uh, spend time to pick, play a pickup softball game. And you got to wear the right colors. <laughs> yes. But um, what that speaks to, to what you said earlier, I mean, it is a kind of a shift in not just the faces that you see, but there's there's a color association here too. Like the, the minorities are being pushed out out of their specific areas for another... Um, you know, demographic to move in. That, that's part of gentrification. Well, what do you lose with that, right? Like, I think you lose a, like to your point, you lose a lack of community, right? So like, Huge for the longest, so, yeah. so I, I ended up leaving San Francisco like for a number of reasons, like maybe in, in 2010, and then I've only recently come back over the last handful of years. And so the city doesn't look the same. But it's really funny to me. I've got an interesting perspective too because I also worked in technology, in software, right? So, like, I see where how appealing it is to be able to, you know, if you're, uh, you know, an aspirational techie or you, you work in the field, to be able to say you live in San Francisco, I see the appeal of that, right? Like, you know, it's one, it's a big metropolitan area, New York, you know, Chicago, San Francisco, right? Um, but it's funny because, like, my perspective is unique because then my dad, who grew up in the Excelsior, he's like, yo, the city is not the same. It's just not the same at all. There's no communities, no community vibes. Um, and, you know, you experience this, like, in terms of, like, supporting community businesses where people are SF natives, right? Probably have less of those mm-hmm. now, right? Um, but it's tough to knock families that do take advantage of being able to, like, cash out and move elsewhere. You know what but I mean? You can't, you can't knock them. Yeah. You can't knock them because... They were thinking about their their future and and the future of their future, right? So really, for them, it was let me take this payout so my kids and their kids can have a home, you know, that they own outright uh, with a, with a backyard. I mean, they, they were looking for the American dream. They were looking for a white picket fence, and that's what you know when you talk about some of the how you get people to buy into gentrification is kind of that. Hey, I'm going to move into this. Let's just say I'm going to move into a uh, I'm going to knock Notre Dame, third and Newcomb. Um, shout out to the Players Club, Rap and Forte. And uh, you're going to walk door to door and, and you're going to present these people, hey, your property's valued at $120,000. i am going to give you 300000 That's a hard pass, bro. It is a hard pass. And, you know, shout out to my parents for moving us out to the East Bay. But at the same time, they moved us out there. What did I do? I didn't go to school out there. I still commuted with them to come to the city because I felt like the city was home. And at the time, growing up in the city, I never thought I was going to move away. That's how rooted I felt with the city. And then, you know, you you, you have your own family and, you, man, the city just got so expensive because of gentrification, right? They, they started raising the price on everything. Now I'm out here in the East Bay. Yeah, I have a... A nice home, backyard, um, good schools, whatever. But I, I never felt like it was it was home, 
you know? Yeah. And everybody that I grew up with, they were forced out too, you know? Yeah, it's hard to pass on that number that they throw at you. But then looking back at it, how could we have made it better and kept that same sense of community, right? It's I mean, it's I, tough. I got ideas on the how. I mean, I got several ideas on how. But to, to your point, let me just frame this for the people listening about how expensive it is in San Francisco. The median property value in 2020 in San Francisco was $1.5 million. That's ridiculous if you grew up in the city. $1.5 million. The average rent costing $2,010 per month. And the median household income, roughly $160,000 and $396. That's astronomical, bro. So let me bring that full circle, though, to finish what I was saying and sharing about my family story, right? Which doesn't be braggadocious about the, the deal that we got, but we sold the property for $2 million in 20-whatever, 13. You know how much it was listed for like four years later? $2 million in 2013? Yeah. Literally, when did I look again? 2016. So it was like four years. Six million dollars. Yeah, I was going to say six. Funny rumor, too. Actually, Geraldo Rivera's investment company apparently bought it, renovated the whole thing. Like, I heard that rumor. So now think about like what you got to do afford a place like six million. So my mom, 30 year San Francisco Unified School District teacher. If she would have bought out like her family, right? Like, how do you, it's a big sum of money. To be able to to pull together and then to be able to continually pay off property taxes. This was already paid off, right? So, like, this is one microcosm. Like, other families are completely different, right? But, like, that's why I think it does go to, like, education. Like, the ability to actually transfer not just wealth, but the ability to transfer knowledge. The ability to transfer, like, hey, you know, uh, for those who are blessed to be able to come into beautiful places like the Bay Area and the city, you're in a great place now, now that you're here. How do we ensure that you're, the next generation recognizes that and is able to sustain that and build from that, you know? But not, not, just, not just education. Obviously, I'm not putting that down. Education in the school sense is important. Fucking go to school. Uh, but to the point you're saying, and I think that's where you're going, be engaged. Be engaged. Do, do, you know, fall in line with your civic duties. Go to your council meetings. Figure out what's happening in your area. You know, vote. If you don't want a Walmart in your area, go there and, and, and show up. You know what I mean? Um, if you don't want feel-good cuts to be replaced by, you know, three super cuts in South City, show up for Phil. That's, that's how you, and this was my answer to you, Age, earlier about how you keep your community intact care about your community show up for each other yeah to your point i mean i mean I'm, I'm definitely thinking like being a part of the solution you know what i'm saying like going back to what i was saying is now how do we go from here you know what i'm saying where do we go from here how do we get involved like you said i think that's the only way to to go about it now like what do we do now okay we know what happened then so how do we stay engaged in doing these type of things. You know what I'm saying? So I think I, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm tired of hearing the complaining, to be honest. Yeah. Like with the gentrification, I hear this all the time. Oh, man, Frisco ain't the same. I get it because I'm one of them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think the same way. Frisco ain't the same. But is it that much worse? And if it is, what are we doing? You feel me? To make things the way they used to be. Or like to your point, okay, what are we how are we paving the way for the younger generation as far as the community and what we what we had in the community? Like how can they share the community of what we had to what they can do now? You know what I'm saying? And I think we can sit here and complain about how bad San Francisco is or how justification pushed a lot of people out. But then again, are we a part of that solution or are we gonna be a part of that problem? You know what I mean? That's a, that's a valuable point, and you're absolutely right. Because if we can sit here and talk about it, right? Um, but if we are not giving people the avenues or the pathways so that they can do about it, then really we're just lending to the problem. But to answer that, again, 
know who your city council representatives are. Know what the people are up to because that's that's uh, that's first level. Know what your mayor is up to. You know, be there, show up when you're voting on those ballots. I know that shit sucks because there's there's a lot of underwriting there. But take the time and research what you're really voting for, and you know, not to sound cliche, but you you gotta vote. You gotta show up. You know, to, to everything. Well, I think on that note, what's important is community activism. So I think it's important mm-hmm. that people understand, especially when there's generational gaps, right, in certain neighborhoods, right? And again, I'll use Excelsior, I'll use Hunter's Point, I'll use Bayview, I can use the Fillmore, right? I think it's important for people to understand how legislation, things like redistricting, things like, you know, certain certain bills that are being passed, how that affects people from a number of different vectors economically, Etc. Right. So I think it's important. Like one way is just make sure that you're all at, public. Every, every bill all of it, public. all of it. It's all public. It has to be. It has to be disclosed. So I think it's important for people to be like actively involved in their community and outreach. Like I go back to education because my mom was a school teacher. Right. So like being able to be involved to like teach people who may not like realize the impact of some of the new legislation that's happening, how it might affect them. Right. Like I think that that part is super critical. You know, if it matters to you to be in a, in a place where you can say, OK, we're doing all we can to sustain this community, to give people a chance to stay here, then you should uh, we should be involved to let people right. know what the impact's off be. top. Yeah, I mean, that's 100 percent, because if, if, if you take that even if you, if you take a deep dive into that and you look at it from a cultural perspective, being Filipino, I got to educate my Filipino people as to why this is important. Why should you hold down the last remnants of the Soma? You know, Phil, for you, being a, a Samoan culture, why should you guys hold down this area? Why is it important? Why is, there, why is it good to have good, positive representation? Why is it good to feed into our small businesses, right? We, we have to know these things, but at the same time, and, you know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but this is how I look at it. <clears throat> While it's important to look at it from individual cultures, we also have to start supporting intercultures, Definitely. right? Because it's it's that we can't we can't cause or we can't feed into the divide that these systems cause for us. He talked about redistricting. When they redistrict, they don't. I'm just gonna say this, man. They don't, they don't redistrict white people. They redistrict us, right? Nah, one on it. So you know, don't don't just be like, hey, I gotta represent the Filipino culture. Oh, that's not about me. Be in there. Be engaged. Support the Samoan community. Support the black community. Support, you know, the Latino community, Latinx. Be there. Be there for for each other. Like when you when you think about this, um, I I was just I was listening to to another show lately and, and they were talking about this like. We are term minorities a lot, often, right, in our own societies. But if you think of it about it we are the global majority when you look at it from a global sense white people are the global minority there's just less of them but we can't it isn't just and 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 this isn't a racial issue for me um but it does have of of course it's uh it's, it's ramifications it trickles down um you can't let just this one outstanding majority push you out and then feel mm-hmm. or make it seem like you didn't have an out, like you didn't have a say. I mean, you, you live in, in this country and, and it's a still a democratic country. You can control it. It's just we we just don't show up. Right. We don't show up. We don't we don't. And, and I don't know if you can speak to that about the small culture, but for the Filipino culture. I mean, I, I never had education about my civic duty. Right. No, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, you definitely hit it on the nail. I think we share that same thing with both cultures, right? Um, I think the biggest part, back to education and support, right? Not educating yourself, right, on these type of topics. And then the support, not even just for yourself, really, like support within that community, right, within your culture. A lot of it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But also, I think a lot of it isn't really pressed in our culture, or in our community to learn these type of things, right? To be a part of these type of things. So, like, with you, right, what you were saying, we need these type of people like you guys that whether it, that might know more than the average person. Because a lot of people, like, uh, 
for real, like in the Samoan culture, a lot of us don't really, I, I wouldn't say a lot of us, but there's a good part of us that don't really care about this type of stuff. Because they feel like it's not really affecting them, affect them directly. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. But they don't understand that it really is. You know what I mean? Or it may not affect them; it affects their kids. No, absolutely. That's also right? a numbers game and the greater community. Yeah, right? it's a numbers game, so they feel that they don't have enough numbers for representation, and they just give up on it. Yeah, but you got the numbers, right? I mean these these stats show it, right? When you look at this. The minorities in San Francisco, you look at the, 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 the white population, that's just 44%. So they are literally and quite quite literally outnumbered in terms of, you know, where these votes would lie. It's just a matter of showing up, representing your community and supporting each other. When I say community, when you think of minority communities, that's the true melting pot of America. Right? That's mm-hmm. where all the nationalities are at. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have to stop differentiating and we just have to look at the common good. And, and again, this isn't a racial thing. So I grew up with white people who were just like me, dirt poor, trying to, you know, pull themselves up with their bootstraps. So it's what I'm trying to express, I guess, is look at this from a community level to your point H. Look at it from when you were growing up in the Soma um, in the 80s, 90s, same Excelsior for you. Uh, Bayview Hunters Point for you, you know, Lakeview for me. Look at those people you grew up with. They were a blend of people, but you never really looked at them as community until that community was taken from you, right? I do want to talk a little bit, though, maybe playing devil's advocate. I do want to talk a little bit about some of the benefits of gentrification, mm-hmm. right? Like, there, or maybe the perceived benefits. Like, there's. There is an associated notion of, you know, with more affordable housing that might displace certain communities, you also get things like increased safety, right? Like the per- I'm saying the perception and no, whether no, it plays real. out, but like that's seriously, real. like like I mean, sometimes I joke, like I'll joke with like my 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 brother or like my family, like we go back to talking about talking about 22nd and Mission in Valencia, right? Like. Yeah, I remember when I used to leave school, like I used to have kids coming from the mission district who used to like start some shit, right? And so now like we joke a little bit like, yo, it ain't all that bad now. We can go out in the Valencia. You know what you I mean? But like softball. Huh? You can play pickup softball. You can play a pickup softball, yeah, for real. Like yeah, yeah. and so like there there is that aspect of it, right? Like and so there's that. I do I think look at it from another angle. I'm and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like oh, yeah, yeah, look sure. at look at it from another angle, right? Like I look at my daughter's perspective, right? Because she never really grew up in the city. Mm-hmm. So she's lived out here in the East Bay, out in Contra Costa County, you know, Walnut Creek or Pleasant Hill or Concord. And she has no inkling to go back to the city necessarily. Right? She says it now. I think that's going to change yeah. when she gets older, right? She graduates high school. But, like, the point is, is that she's like, yo, everything's out here. Like, it's a nice community. It's safe. It's fun. You know, it's easy to, to, to get around. Right. And I do think there is something to be said about embracing like, you know, change because change is constant. You know what I'm saying? Like and like truth be told, like although I've been out of the city for a while, there are times when I'm like, "Ah, I really want to stay in the city. It's a debate that me and my partner have sometimes. Right. Because it ain't the same city that I know. So I, I I do think it's important to also just like recognize that there's other facets to it, too. Like, you know, when families move out, like maybe they're in a good place. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, not to your point. So, like, with, really, like, even with you, right? You grew up in the Soma and stuff, and then you moved out. Now you have the things that you have. And to your point, like, change isn't always bad, bro. Like, the justification, I think, that with that word, the stigma is it's bad. Yeah. Like, off top, it's yeah. just bad. Like, they change and they push people out. I think a lot of people think that way. But again, like, to your point, too, some parts of the city wasn't, that great you know what I mean like yeah it gave you the grit it gave you like that street you know that that like grit of the streets but at the same time like do we want our kids to be a part of that Yeah, you know what I'm saying I mean I think I think it, it definitely could be looked at good and then it definitely could look at being bad mm-hmm. you know like when you were saying they pick it they, they play and pick up softball bro I seen hella white people walking on third street and in West Point I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where are these people coming from? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then again, it's like, 
Hey, man, to me, it's part of the the dopest part of the city as far as the views and the weather. 100%. Shit, it should be for everybody. Because I'm not going to lie. When I, when I saw that, when I saw people playing pickup softball, I was like, fuck, do, do I have my glove in my like, I wish I had my bat. Hell yeah. I, I want to play. Cause, exactly. Right. Cause and I, 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 I think that that's actually. part of the growth. Right. But then again, it, it, it's hard because it's hard for us to see it sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, bro. It just wasn't the way it was. I think I think that's why I want to focus on the community aspect, maybe less so like the uh, the the racial aspect. Although I, I need to I need to give a nod to that, you know what I mean. But like even with that, like it's, like it's like nuanced. you, like it's, it's very nuanced. Like like you, depending on the community, because yeah. like you, I went to I went to bilingual. I went to bilingual. Shout out Buena Vista, even though he doesn't. Shout out Buena Vista. I went to bilingual elementary and middle school, but like it was a melting pot. Like like we had a mix of like, like white, black, brown, you know, yellow, Asian, like the whole thing, right? So, uh, but those communities are different. Yeah, you know, because the so. thing is, it's funny because we talk about it sometimes in the shop, and I'm like, yo, yeah, HP is different. Sunnydale's different. Yeah. Well, I mean, shit, some parts. I mean, sometimes right. it's still, it's still it the same. real. You know what I mean? It's, it get real in some of these neighborhoods. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, is it really that bad, though? Like, is it bad that gentrification is happening, happening for the positive? Like, you know, you ain't got to worry about the killings. and the, I mean, you still do, but not to the same degree that it was in the 80s and 90s and even in the early 2000s, right? So it's a, that's what I mean by I'm torn. Like, is it bad now? Is it bad that they don't have to go through the same shit? Do we want our kids to be shot at? I think that's what it is, though. When we really, when we really, with the questions that you're asking, the answers to it are, it's not bad. It ain't. It's not bad at all, really. The only thing that's bad is that you wish it was the community that was there to begin with that did it. Absolutely, right man, for real. Because yeah. that, I mean, that that's exactly what it is. So when you when you or I could speak to this myself, growing up in Lakeview. Shout out to my Sheridan generals. Hey, yeah, I'm uh, part of Lakeview too, man. You my go. family went to Sheridan. Ocean, uh, I grew up on Minerva. Ocean View. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about Sheridan. Eighty to eighty-five percent black demographic, mm-hmm. right? Um, the 15% mix between Asian and Samoan, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it, isn't, it isn't a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing to walk through that neighborhood and feel safe. I just wish I was walking through that neighborhood and safe with the people I grew up with. That's really, when you really talk about the ill effects of gentrification, that's what it comes down to. So moving forward to how do you protect what you have now? How do you keep the communities that are here now in place? Learn from your past. You know, don't let shit skip you. Don't, again, don't show up. Don't not show up to the ballots. Vote. Um, make sure you're voting down to the to the nitty gritty. Know who your city council people are because they represent you in assembly. And those assemblymen represent you at the state. Right? So it, it trickles up. Um so that's what I would say. Protect what you have now by being engaged, knowing what's happening in your communities and knowing what's important there. Because now it, it really is, it's a race against time, but it's also a, a race against being priced out. That San, Francisco still be, it, San Francisco can still be great, bro. No, it really can. Yeah, San Francisco is great. For us. Right. right. But, okay, so with all this gentrification, all this quote-unquote positive, how did the homelessness get so bad, though? Bro, that's an ongoing question, bro. Because growing up, don't get me wrong, question. homelessness was around even when I was growing up. But I feel like it's gotten a whole lot worse. And if, you know, my neighborhood, Soma, whatever, has gotten so much better, why did homelessness homelessness get so much worse? It's a homeless encampment in Soma, bro. It's I don't crazy. know if you've been down there lately. It's so where where are the shelters at? You know, I wish I had the answer for real. Like I said, we we, me and my homies were just talking about this. It's, I think it's definitely a multiple of things. You know yeah, what I mean? You have all this money to make everything quote unquote better, but why are we tackling the real problem of homelessness? We're le- we're leaving people behind. Is what we're doing, right? That's uh. That's this process that we're in right now. And it's kind of like how the school system has that no child left behind. I kind of want to expand on that and say in your community, there should be no person left behind. There shouldn't be people that are unsheltered. 
Because one, it's just, it goes against the ethics in our mind, right? Mm -hmm. to, to rise up, but then right next to you, there's someone who's struggling for... Well, depending on what community you're from. It goes against the ethics. In well, I'm, so I'm speaking to... I think he's talking about our, our community. Our community. Yeah. Our community. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah, I think yeah, there are some community... Um, by the way, I'm going to count myself in the community that, like, you know, we take care of our own. Mm -hmm. There are some, you know, communities that don't have that same philosophy, well, we, you know. We should take care of our own. I would say a, a big part of how we got here is because we haven't taken care of our own. So and that's why I keep going back to the support thing, man. The support thing is huge for our people and really for ourselves. Hmm. That support thing go crazy. And it lacks, I think, a big time in in our community. But you've shown a lot of support to the homelessness. You you did like some oh, yeah. jacket drives and stuff like that for the homelessness. We definitely try to. You know what I mean? Even if in the smallest, right? We definitely try to. Because again, going back to being a part of the solution and not the problem. You know what I mean? I try not to speak about all the things that are wrong. Because we got enough of that shit already. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that kind of goes without being said, right? So those little things me and my family try to continue to do. That's going back to the pay it forward. But I wish I had a solution for this homelessness. I really do. I don't. But I think the start is to continue to support each other. And hopefully, you know, that kind of catches and yeah, figures that, some that, out. That is a great message to support each other. And um, you have been leading by example with that statement of supporting each other, uh, supporting small businesses, you know, supporting uh, homelessness with, you know, these these jacket drives or what other things uh, have you done other than the jacket drives? Were there other things that you did? Yeah. So we literally just try as a family. Right. We don't we're not part of an organization um, just as a family. We just try to do as much as we can to keep our feet, you know, planted in the streets of San Francisco, you know, whether it's taking food, whether it's taking, you know, clothes or whatever it is. We just try to make sure we stay paying it forward and, you know, kind of uh, going off of what we were taught. I mean, I think everyone does it. You know what I mean? I'm, for the Not most everyone. part, we, well, hey. Yeah. That goes back to your, uh, your, your philosophy on pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... We just try to do our part, and even in the smallest way. There's a cultural aspect of it, too, though, like family. You know, like if you think about, like, similar in the Samoan community, right, like mm -hmm. Filipino families, Latin families, you know, you got big families. And with big families, you have, like, you know, I'll speak for myself, like we got we got the, the uncles or the aunts or the families who are doing well, but you also have some who are, might be struggling a little no, bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and like those, and sometimes, like, but they're still family, though. You know, and, and sometimes those are the ones that you maybe reach out to more you try to support and help as much as you can. And then that, like, extends out outside of your family mm -hmm. into your community. You know, how you view, like, folks who might not have it as good as you had, right? And how you support them, like, you know, individually, what can you do to help, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I, I, I do know this. We, we lost a lot of our, not just our homeless shelters, but intake centers in the city. Big time. And that was a big deal because without the intake centers, we lose data. We can't figure out where the current unsheltered population is from. We can't figure out what their needs are, what their wants are, what their backgrounds are. And that really cripples us when it comes to solutions. We can't figure out what they want. So, you know, we could all brainstorm here and say, let's, mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's make up a community for them on one side of town. But if they don't want that, it, it isn't a sell. It won't happen. Um, so on that note, let's let's talk about certain things that other places have put into place. Are you guys familiar with Skid Row in in, in, in L.A.? In L.A.? Yeah. So Skid Row was done on purpose. Right? It was done on purpose for this community to be able to have their own area, their, their, their own community. Um, and then draw them into there so that they'd be away from your Hollywood, your Beverly Hills. Is that something that could work here? I feel like they've done it all. <laughs> that community has done it themselves, right? Like they, they found places to just set up shop and 
That's Oakland. Yeah. For real, bro. For real. That is Oakland, man. Seriously, bro. For real. They like you said, they did it on their own. Um, can it work here? I mean, shit. It's one of those things like I don't know, man. It's, again, it's one of those things like it's good and it's like it kind of can be viewed as bad. Like, what the fuck? But, but I don't know. Can it work here? Probably. You just stay away from, right? <laughs> I mean, just like unfortunately, in Oakland, yes, right. Just like in Oakland, you just like, oh man, that's the homeless encampment. I'm I'm gonna stay away from from that area because it's like I don't want anything to do with that. It's a it, it it's. You know, gentrification is one problem. The homeless problem is is different. It's way different. It's way different because way different. It fucks with your morale, right? It no, fucks with, your, with yeah. your with your morals, I should say. Remember that uh, that business owner? I think he was somewhere um, in the city. In the city, when he, he was spraying, he sprayed that that yeah, lady. Yeah, that's fucked. So that's fucked inhumane, up, man. Right? Yeah, it is. It's inhumane. He treated this person like an animal, but. Playing devil's advocate, he's a business owner. He's got to get people to his door and through the door. And now you have, you know, an unsheltered person that's right there. Does that damage your business? Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel you playing devil's advocate. And I know not you're not advocating for the actions. But it's one of those things where, like, at the end of the day, like, what type of person are you? You know what I mean? Like, hey... I don't know dude's story. I don't know his background. I don't know what business he's need or don't need or whatever. But again, it goes back to who you are as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not knocking dude. But then again, no, fuck that. I am knocking him. Because like, bruh, again, but I don't know the backstory to it. So I know there's always like three stars, stories, five, whatever. But at the same time, it goes back to who you are as a person. He could have... I mean, he, fuck, I don't know, man. Maybe he stick by what he did. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I want to look at it from the business perspective, but I can't help but look at it from the human perspective first. And I think that means more to me. You feel me? Not to be sitting here like high horse and all feel you're great. Nah, fuck that. I got a lot of flaws, bro. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like it goes back again to who you are as a human being. Bro, was it really that serious? I don't know. Maybe maybe it was for him. Maybe it was for him. So, in a sense, I can't really knock him for his actions to do what he felt was best for him. But for me, when I look at it, I just thought dude was an asshole. Yeah. I know. I know well, I mean, just looking at on surface, right, I don't know exactly what the backstory is. But I think I would have, fuck, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have handled it the same way. I mean, maybe I would have handled it the same way he did. But at the same time, I think knowing who I am, I probably would try to figure something else out. Like, bro, how can I help this dude out? And my little help probably wouldn't have helped his life out. But at that time and that point, maybe it would have helped him. I don't know. I think think that incident speaks a lot to, for natives like ourselves, not just in San Francisco. We've been talking a lot about about San Francisco. We got to think about like Richmond and Oakland and like... Mm -hmm. You know, Costa. Contra Costa and other yeah. areas of San Francisco, too, right? Like, I know a lot of natives from this area here. Just from the Bay. Yeah. Right from the Bay period. Like, I think I think it does speak to just a change in the culture, right, over the decades, right? Um, you know, because it, it is just – it's kind of a reflection of gentrification, the change in prices, the focus on business, right, and just the lack of empathy, Right, like I mean, and I just put something up here because I couldn't remember the quote, but it's literally inscribed on the Statue of Liberty, which is "Give me your tired, your poor, your 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 huddled masses," right? Like, and you talk about faith; it's the idea of like caring for mm-hmm. other people who may not have be as blessed as you are, or who've had shitty circumstances. You know, like we could talk about within the homeless population. What's the breakdown of veterans? What's the big breakdown of yeah, mentally ill? We didn't even tap on that. Right? What's the breakdown of families? Right? Like I, I read a stat somewhere that the Bay Area, the Bay Area I think has the second highest percentage of the greater metropolitan areas yeah, in yeah, terms of homeless, high. right? Next to LA. Uh, LA's at 30-something percent. We're like 28%. But then we also, we actually have like the highest of kids who are homeless. So the highest of kids without homes. 
and that's in, in the nation. Like, so you were thinking about that, man, like that, like as a father, as parents, like that's, yeah. that's saddening, right? Like, and why is that? Right. Why is that? So I think, again, education is important, but like also just like having a sense of community and culture and empathy for people. Exactly. And I think that's that's up to us as far as can continuing that community that we had growing up. We still can share it with our kids and, you know, nephew, nieces in our community. You know what I'm saying? I think that's up to us to show them what we had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in the community, San Francisco community, a lot of us complain about it, how bad it is. But at the same time, again, like what are we doing to help that? Right. It, I have a really interesting perspective on that because I think my, my daughter, uh, not to call her out, but she's been very blessed to have like pretty good families on my side and her mother's side. Dope. Um, but I think in some ways also maybe a little sheltered, you know. I shouldn't say that. She, she's just growing up with what she knows out here in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember like a few years ago, like for my birthday, like one of the things that I really wanted to do was make sure that she's aware of what it's like to not come from what we have. And we did, uh, we did volunteer work out in Richmond actually at like a homeless shelter and we gave out food during, it was Thanksgiving, right? Like, so like even things like that, I think is super important for, for people who maybe just don't know what it's like, you know, to, to walk in someone else's shoes. You know, and I think like like we have to like as parents, we have to enforce that almost. We have to make sure that the younger generation knows what that's like. It's a hard balance, man. Definitely a hard balance. It's it's a it's a hard balance, and not to not give that credence. But when you're talking about embracing the problem and having empathy, point blank, when you talk about San Francisco or the Bay Area in whole, ranking third, that's twenty eight thousand two hundred. And that was in 2020. Unsheltered homeless people. That's great. What do you do with 28,200 homeless people right now? It's kind of analogous to me to the immigration problem, right? When you're talking about all the undocumented people that are here. For me, the, the not to go off on a tangent, but for me, the solution is simple. It's just amnesty everyone, make everyone part of the community have them give back have them give a sense of have the, give them a sense of purpose to this country have them be tied in right have them pay taxes amnesty does that right because you can't go and keep hunting down people that are undocumented so when you bring that down to this community problem and, and uh, the homelessness issue we have in San Francisco let's just recognize we need to shelter 28,000 people. Like that, that's just a problem. And we need to somehow figure out how we're going to house these people. It isn't, we can't treat it. We can't put band-aids on this. Like it, it's a real problem and it, it'll only get worse. We talked about how many youths are also unsheltered. The solution or, or the need for the solution is that. Like there's no pussyfooting around this, right? There's no beating around the bush. We just need to figure out how to house these people. And enter them back into our system. But we can't. We can't do that if we're not taking data and we're not interviewing them, we're not figuring out what their wants and needs are. Um, I, I read a good... I'm sorry. I was just... I was just gonna, let me close my thought. We keep making decisions for people that took themselves out of society for one reason or another. So the entryway, the exit out of homelessness for them is not the same picture that we have for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Real talk. Um, one of the things that was really cool during the pandemic that I remember seeing, and it's unique to an area like San Francisco, right, where we're the home of places like Airbnb, right, which has displaced the hotel industry. And what that means is that the hotel industry has massive vacancy in these buildings. I remember reading something, and I don't, I don't have the article prepared, but where a lot of the, during the pandemic, a lot of these um, hotels are starting to open up and starting to convert their property for affordable housing, right? So I think like novel solutions like that, where when you have like a technology or some new industry that has changed that dynamic in, in, in a community, but done so in a way where like maybe there's a, a, an industry that's been displaced that can now adapt Right, like the hotel industry, and adapt, and then say, okay, like now we're gonna because we're operating at fucking 
you know, 40% vacancy anyways, because people are Airbnb in places or it's unaffordable here. Let's maximize that extra vacancy that we have. Like, I, I think, like, thinking about it from that perspective, like, leveraging, like, the best of what we have in an area like this, I, I, when you talk about solutions, I think that's, like, something that we, we, we want to kind of lean into when we hear stories like that. Yeah, I think that's what's important, though, is just leaning into something, yeah. not doing anything or, you know, just just saying it's bad on the eyes, it's bad on the optics. I mean, that's just lending to the problem. When we talk about like losing those intake centers in San Francisco, that's a big deal because if you think about it, they migrated from the city to the outskirts of the city. That's entire the entire Bay Area. I'm not saying the entire 28,000 people came from San Francisco, but at the same time, certainly was a, a big reason for what we have now and to the shift of that uh, unsheltered, population i mean we we need that back we need some intake centers back we need some uh, actual shelters back we need to just invest in it so you know no one ever wants to take care of another person's problem but in this situation another person's problem is your problem there's just no escaping it that's real So, more to say. <laughs> but that said, you know, we got two issues here. Gentrification certainly lends its hand to homelessness. I, I think as Bay Area natives, this is really personal for all of us. As small business owners, this is personal for both of you. Uh, but I think really civic engagement, just knowing what the problem is and then doing the right thing after being provided with that knowledge, showing up to, to the ballots filling out the ballots correctly, researching, uh, voting for the right person. Again, don't just think president, senator, you know, think think of your local community because those are, those are the people that speak for you in your state legislature. So start there. Any final thoughts there? And for me, uh, I agree with everything that you said. No other final thoughts other than, like, I think these are, like, for me, haven't been involved in a lot of these kind of discussions my entire life. I think it's important just to keep these discussions going. I think it's super important. Like, I'm glad that we have this as a forum for it, but I think, like, I'm glad to hear that these are some topics that you have with your boys mm-hmm. in the shop, right? And you think about, like, how do we change this? Like, what's going on? Like, just awareness is important. Then the ability to, like, accept what's going on. And like to accept it as here's what's different and then to take action, right? Like AAA, I like to say, right? Like I think that's that's super important. Like that, that's a way we can make an impact or that's a way we can teach our kids to have an impact. So like I'm, I'm glad to have this discussion with you guys. Yeah, me too. Like really just discussion and actions. Really having a discussion because, again, sometimes you don't have the discussion with anyone. Mm-hmm. So being able to have this discussion with y'all is dope. So discussion and actions, that's my take. And you said it earlier, we we don't know the right answers. That's a disclaimer here. We're, we're not Absolutely. experts on this, but the fact that you care enough to talk about it, that's where it starts. Talking about with your with your own circles, with your, your own groups, talk about within your household, educating your children, you know, pushing them over there. Again, learning from our past, learning from our parents who weren't informed enough, no no knock on them, but knowing that they weren't informed enough, we can't just follow the same pathway. So. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. If there's anything there you else, pay it forward. Pay it right. forward. In many ways. In many ways. The lesson of the week. That was an amazing movie, too, by the way. Pay it forward. Not <laughs> wait, a sports wait. movie, but that hold was on, an amazing movie. But is that Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey. Ah. <laughs> Wait, what? Kevin Spacey's dope. We y'all had a no, conversation. I love right? Kevin, but oh, yeah, now, he's dope. Uh, oh, now? <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a controversial dope. <laughs> I, yeah. I shouldn't have brought it up, but we don't want to end on that. Pay it forward. You're right. Pay it forward. <laughs> Again, the second half crew, we got Harold, the Demon Barber, Dino, still making up a nickname for him. And of course, our guest of honor, Phil Alapati. Feel Good Cuts, Feel Good Eats, representative of the Right Out Posse, Bay Area Native, keep rocking with us. Thank you for being here with us, man. Thank Thank you, man. Thank you again. Thank you.
ism. From running all the courts, SF to the town. Dad pods, now we just running our mouths. Barbershop talk, rocking the spot. Got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot. Lifelong bond has the convos flow. Time just goes, constant growth. Straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.